Hello, this is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres and I'm your host and our special guest is the podcast host for Strive for 25 and he's been a mortgage lender for two decades out of St. Louis, Missouri. This is Joel Farrell. How you doing, Joel? Uh, I'm doing really good. Excited to be on here and excited to chat. This is some uh, good stuff. Um, I grew up Catholic. Um you know, looking forward to digging into a little bit of cannabis stuff too, uh, from afar. I have some little bit of knowledge, but yeah, a lot to talk about. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Right on, right on. Now, Joel, Joel and I met, I think we were, we were just talking about this because as I, I, I was a guest on your podcast and, and we've known each other, you, me and Teresa, my wife have known each other for at least nine years. Was it 13? I think it was in 13, right? Yeah. Nine? Yeah. Yeah. Either 12 or 13. One of, one of the years when I was at fifth, third bank at that time. Yeah. And, uh, at that time, the nation was coming out of the housing crisis of the two, early 2000s, right? <clears throat> and everybody's, not everybody, many people are struggling. A lot of people are struggling. That's where else it wouldn't have been a crisis. And uh, of course, mortgage rates dropped. And a lot of people refinancing. And, and I was in the military and, and a guy I was working with in D.C. refinanced his house and told us about the experience he had and, and the, the great thing that this guy did. And, and this guy was also, uh, he did a side thing in real estate as well. So he was familiar with real estate too. So he tells me about Joel and I talked to my wife about it and we're, and we're looking at it and I was like, how is this guy able to give us this much <laughs> money using this VA loan? How I don't understand it. Cause every other bank is saying, no, it's like at least half that. Like they were, they could, they were barely making half that. And it's just like, wow, that's crazy. So then we had a conversation with you and you pointed out some things about the VA loan process and VA credits and, and how that whole process works. And, and that was how you're able to help us out, man. And from then, from then on, I think, well, you, you and Teresa still communicate quite a bit. And uh, we've had, we've had this, we've had this like, it's turned into a, a more of a personal relationship as we, as it's as time's grown on because during that time frame while we're in living in North Carolina, you and and I'm, I don't want to maybe say his last name like wrong Mike Swaley, Swale, Swale, okay, Mike Swale. You guys were doing like an East Coast thing where uh, you're in St. Louis, Missouri, so you flew. I think you hit D.C., Virginia Beach, and then you came down and saw me and Teresa, and. And one other guy, I think he Scott, was Scott Harris. Did you know the name Scott? He was in Marines. Yeah. So you came down and made a special visit to see three people. I mean, and that's a drive, right? I mean, I've done that drive before. It's a drive. And that was really cool. And since then, we've had kids. You guys have had kids and, and we've, we've we communicate. So. <clears throat> So, uh, and, and you guys came to San Luis, I think it was 2017 yeah. to visit because you guys were on the way to visit Teresa's family in Kansas City, maybe. Yeah, we, we, we went Louis. to uh, we went to Kansas City and then uh, we were like, let's go see Joel. And we were going to go see, we were going to see her, uh, some more of her family members. And uh, because her family is more in the Midwest than mine is right now. And uh, and so we went and we were like, well, you know what? Let's let's go see a baseball team. With Joel. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, that, was, that was fun, cool, man. It was fun. So, so uh, <clears throat> I don't want to go down memory lane too much, memory lane too much, but uh, it, uh, it's an interesting thing how things just turn out. You just, everything changes, right? Everything changes. And we've had some very good experiences with you. Like I said, you, you, you do a lot of great stuff 
and you started this podcast, Strive for 25 podcast. So I'll tell you what, let's start with that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what that thing is about. Because you kind of did this to okay. me too. And I, and I was having a little, I was a little bit distracted that morning when you asked me the question. <laughs> I was like, oh man. I was like, and then, I don't know, man. It's just, it just gets funny. But you're, you are, uh, you've been doing, you've been doing mortgage lending for two decades. You've been in the finance, in the mortgage lending finance <laughs> sector for two decades. And you started this thing called Strive for 25. Yeah. So I'll make a, a long story somewhat shorter. Um, but just like anything, certain things that, you'll, that you're passionate about, you dream about, sometimes it just takes a while for it to kind of just come together in your brain. This is something that I've been been just been, you know, grinding the gears for probably six years now. Um, and it's all built on, hey, you know what, like, I've been in the mortgage industry for a long time. I've been able to, you know, build a portfolio of real estate all along my own journey um, and successes and all, obviously a lot of failures along the way, but things you can learn from. And I've been able to 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 do some things and, you know, how, how do I share some of these ideas and stories and, and try to help that person that may be earlier on in their journey to be able to, to get ahead at a faster pace? What would I have told myself when I was at 25, you know? coming out of college and getting my first job. And it's like, I know when I was 23, 24, 25, you know, I was out, you know, partying. I was out going to, to bars, spending money, hanging out with friends, trying to find a significant other, um, dating and whatever. And it's like, what would I have told myself at that time? I was making decent money. You know, at that time, I was working at Citigroup at the time. I actually had two jobs. I was working, um, in the restaurant world, uh, a few nights a week. Um, well, when I told myself, well, shoot, you know what, go do all that stuff, but take a hundred bucks every single paycheck and and put it into savings, automate that, make it a, a system and don't have to think about it. So that, that that's one thing. Um, and then, you know, I did my own kind of what I call a stair step method. So I bought a property in 2009, you have to basically coming out of the crash. I got the, the taxpayer credit, uh, I think it was $8,000 that that year was not, it was not a loan. So I bought a condo, lived in it for a number of years, and then I bought a house and turned the old one into a rental. I did that a couple more times. And then along the way, I bought a couple of multifamilies and then got to Fairway, and which is one of the most entrepreneurial companies I've ever come up, ever been around. And that's also helped shape kind of my mindset and my journey in terms of these things. And, um, you know, did a commercial building with my partner, Max Ballet. We rehabbed it. It's literally where I'm at right now. It's 5,000 square feet. Um, and then got into a few more other things. You know, I've got a short-term rental down in Florida and Destin. That's done very well. And that's a whole different story. And then now we're, you know, uh, Whitney Cooley is one of our uh, good, good friends down in the Destin, Santa Rosa Beach area. And she got a deal to us off the market, essentially, that was a land deal. And you know, we're building over 20 houses down there. Um, so I, a lot of different steps along the way. And I was actually in DC this past weekend uh, doing a client event uh, with Hakeem Brody, who's with Kel Williams and his team, Mo, uh, Tierra, Sierra, and Alicia. And the reason why I bring this up is because it kind of goes back to this, uh, the, you mentioning me being in St. Louis and I'm visiting you on the, on the East coast, like that, that doesn't even make sense in our industry, like real estate, mortgage and real saying. estate. That's what like, and it's, you did it. And it's a you, local business. Three of us in Wilmington. There were just three of us. Mm-hmm. And, and in 
really is <laughs> Teresa and I are, are two of, of, of one, really. Like we're, we're together. And this other yeah. guy was there. And you made a special trip to come down. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And you bought, I think you bought his dinner too. Man. I, I, yeah, it was good. I, I forget the name of the place, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it, was, it, was it was good. Um, but like we, we had a, a client event in DC and, you know, four realtors from uh, one from Northern Virginia, one from Virginia beach, one from Houston all came in and, and people came in to support this group. And we, I think we had 50 or 60 people come out to the park in downtown DC and just had a client event and had a little bit of presentation and had went, went really well. And uh, talking about generational wealth, you know, what it takes to be able to do that. And, and if it was easy, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. And and there's a formula to it. But the reason that I bring it up is that kind of going back to the, the real estate stuff, real yeah. estate, is a local thing. That's that's the norm, right? You have your quickens of the world out there that do things online and you got to fit into a box to to get approved with them. But you know, we've been able to build relationships from a thousand miles away, and then that's not normal. And so, like I've told this story many times, like I'm literally doing the impossible. Like me being in DC, talking to realtors, talking to clients, is literally doing the impossible every single day. So if I, if I'm here, I, I might as well go all in and take it to the absolute top level because I'm literally doing something that no, not many people are doing. And so if I can, you know, inspire somebody, share, share a story uh, with somebody that can help, you know, them get to a better point in their life financially or whatever it may be. Um, it's worth it because at the end of the day, you know, like when I say six, it took six years to get here um, of, Hey, you know, like all, all the self doubts, all, all the things you question yourself, you know, there's so many people that are already doing that. I, my story isn't isn't worthy to share or all the things you can ah, say. Yes. Are you saying these are thoughts that you're going through your head or is this what you actually think? The, the, these are the thoughts going through okay, my brain gotcha. of why, why this thing didn't become uh, a thing sooner. Okay. And I got to the point where I said, hey, you know what? Like the Tony Robbins of the world, these people like that, that are helping people <clears throat> get ahead and you pay money or whatever. There's people out there that are doing all these things. But at the end of the day, they haven't gotten everybody. There's still a ton of people that, you know, aren't where they want to be in their careers or financially or just just pure humanly. Like, hey, you know what? People are struggling and what, what can I do to help that person out? So my job is then to go find somebody that, that may need some extra help or inspiration. And maybe my story is a little bit different that can connect with that person because you never know, you know, maybe that person's not ready today to, to, to hear that story. Maybe the pain isn't isn't strong enough to make the change worthwhile, but maybe if they hear the story five more times, maybe, maybe that's the, that's the key. So um, this platform is all about, Hey, you know what, what can we do to help somebody get ahead in life? And what I've done with this channel is I've kind of broken it down into, into three equations. So I'm, I'm a numbers guy, um, but <laughs> that's good. The, that's a good the, thing. The, <laughs> the, the savings equation is very simple. It's savings um, income minus your expenses equals, equals your savings. And I'll come back to that in a second. The investment equation it's also pretty simple. You've got dollars or, or money that you purchase some type of asset, whether it be real estate, stocks, crypto, NFTs, or a business, whatever it may be. You get a rate of return over time, and that becomes your return on your, on your investment. And then the results equation, there's all kinds of information out there. We have information at our fingertips 24-7 on our smartphones, on our computers, on our tablets, whatever. So it's all there. But if information alone were the key to being happy and successful, then we'd all be happy and successful, right? I mean, because it's all there. But I think we'd all agree that that 
may not be the case. There's something else out there. There's some other component to, to the equation that gets somebody to the point where they're happy and successful and content and, you know, mm, where they want to be in life. Right. And that's, and, a, that's an interesting, that's, a, there's some other component out there mm-hmm. that, so that's cool, man. That's cool. Go ahead. Yeah. And, 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 and that kind of, we'll probably dig into some Christianity stuff on that because that, that, that's that those the type of principles that come into play yeah. from the human psyche, you know, um, coming to play on that. But those are the three equations that we have built out and everything we talk about really does kind of fall in that equation. And so, you know, I believe in real estate as a tool to be able to build wealth. Like one of the, the scenarios that I tell somebody uh, or show somebody is that if I have $10,000 and I want to go invest it and decide what, what, what I want to invest it in. Now, I'm never, I would never tell anybody to invest all your eggs in one basket. But if I have $10,000 and I want to decide to be able to purchase, say, stock or real estate, um, this is this is a, a, an example that can show how powerful real estate can be. So the average return in stocks over the last 100 and whatever years is, let's just call it 10%. Okay. So if I have $10,000 and I invest in the S&P 500 ETF, SPY, and I get a 10% return in, in, in the first year. What's $10,000 times 0.1? I'm going to make you do some math here. I know. Uh, I know. I'm not going to do it, man. I do enough of that with my kids. And I got to do it in a couple hours. I'm not picking them up from school. <laughs> right. It's not a lot of money. I give it to you. It's a thousand bucks. bucks. <laughs> yeah. A, a 10% return would be $1,000 uh, in the first yeah. year. Sorry. So, okay. That, 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 that's great. Um, but then over time, obviously things compound, the more dollars you put in every single year, things compound, et cetera. But the, the environment and the market changes as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, so short-term wise, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 2%, maybe it's negative 20. And then, but over time it uh, has been historically 10%. Now on the contrary, if I take that $10,000 and I decide I'm going to go buy a house and that, let's say that I put down the $10,000 down payment, which would be technically 3% down, which that's available for first-time home buyers, a 3% down payment, conventional loan. And, you know, so I buy a house for $300,000, uh, you know, I'm living it as opposed to investing the money into the stock and then paying rent or whatever amount. So let's say that I get a 3% return on the housing market in that first year, which historically, that's just that's just one example. Maybe it's higher. It's probably a lot higher than that in all reality if you look over the last 20 years, 100 years. But let's just take 3% of housing appreciation in that first year. So if I have 3% on my money, now, now I'm going to ask this question to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you answer this one. No, okay. don't make me do it. I don't edit. All right, come on. So if I'm going to get 3% Oh, don't ask return, me percent questions, man. Come on. What, go what, ahead. What, what, well, when I ask that question, a lot of times I get numbers like $300 or $3,000. Give me the question. You can quiz me in math right now. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I'm going to publish this, Joe. I'm going to publish it. I'm all right. Get it wrong. Let's get it, Let's <laughs> right. get it wrong. I'm recording. All right. So I buy a $300,000 house. Yeah. I put $10,000 down as okay. my down payment. And Wait, I get a 10000 you said down. Okay. $10,000 down payment. And all I get right. a 3% return. The house is getting a three percent return. What's the return in that first year? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head, man. I mean, it'd be pull, like, pull, out, pull out a calculator. I don't want to do that. Should we take a drink? You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, should we take a drink? 
I'll have a I'll, yeah, sure, man. Well, so you, so you so you said you got a three hundred thousand dollar house and you got a three percent return, right? You're getting three thousand mm-hmm. dollars back. Okay, that's that's better than three hundred dollars, but that's Correct. still not the right answer. I know, but it's going to be close to something like that, right? So so three times three is nine. Yeah. So three hundred thousand at a three percent oh, return mistake, yeah. is is nine thousand. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up for me. So, Joel. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I mean that that that's the thing is that this conversation is this is very a typical conversation because we're talking about the first example of putting ten thousand dollars and getting returning your dollar. But what's unique about real estate is that you put dollars in at a fraction of the purchase price. You own the entire asset. Exactly. You own the house. The entire house at three hundred thousand is appreciating for say 3%. That's a return on 9,000 in that first year. And that's a nine to one return on your, on uh, in comparison, 9,000 versus 1,000 of your actual return. So I'm not saying that real estate is the end all be all, but this, so as you go down this path in, of, of this equation, and when I use the stair step method, uh, I, call, I call this the stair step method. So then when I buy uh, the next house, a couple years later, I save up. And let's say I buy a house for 400,000 and then I, tr- I turn the old one into a rental, which again, there's a risk in being a landlord. Um, I don't want to be a landlord. I don't, I don't have time to do that. I pay a management company to do that, which cuts into my profits. So maybe the cash flow isn't as high as it, as it could be if I manage it on my own. However, if you're looking at something long-term, you know, house, house appreciates over time, their mortgage is being paid down by your renter. Now, again, like, depending on the house, there's certain things that pop up that can be very, very costly. So, um, you know, this, it's not the end all be all, but it is something to be aware of that real estate can be powerful. Um, so, you know, that's just one thing that we talk about in terms of investing. That's cool. That's cool. Because that is something that, that is, that is, that is something like all the things that I said, I don't want to do are all the things that people don't want to do that many people don't want (laughs) to do. Right. All the things yeah. I said I don't want to do are many things that many people don't want to do when it comes to investments and it comes to real estate and property and doing all that number crunching because it is technical. You got you got to get into those details. And it's like you said, if you're going to pay a management company to, to manage your rental property, well, then you have to factor that into your 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 numbers. Right. And if you're going to do that, you have to figure out, is that risk worth it or not? Is that dollar amount that you're going to make? at the end of all your expenses worth the time. Like you said, I don't have the time to be a landlord. I pay somebody else to do it. But, and you said there are those risks that are inherent to owning a home that somebody else is living in. You're you're leasing it to somebody. And, and, you know, we've had people do horrible things to our homes. Yeah. And we, and we've Uh, talked about that. I remember those those stories. You're very aware of that. So this is where it all boils down (laughs) to. It's like, and this is where I see that it all boils down to like, fear really i think it all boils down to fear it's like you're helping people deal with fear you're helping people deal with fear and how to get into the finance sector in ways that they can from where they're at and also in ways where it's profitable to them in some way shape or form and you're trying to maximize that and 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 i I didn't mean to give you a hard time about all that number stuff man but that is (laughs) that is that is that is what stops people though i mean i think there's more people getting into it because the flow of information is a lot higher now you know i mean it's like people can access information like what you're doing on your podcast people can access that information for free you know what i mean it's like so people are learning but at the same time people i think some and this is just me talking i think sometimes because i hear i hear people and you're just like yeah People get 
people get discouraged by bureaucracy. It becomes like a habit, like a, a way of thinking. Don't do that because you should just expect something. You should expect another hurdle, another hoop to go through or under. You know what I mean? It's like, and this yeah. is where what you're doing to help people is pretty cool. And this is also where I was not as comfortable. And I'm, I'm you know, we I, we talk about this in the episode we we recorded for you on your episode. I was not as comfortable with real estate as my wife was. My wife was more comfortable owning rental properties than I was, and uh, she was right and I was wrong, right? And and this is why you like. And I'm kind of putting like every some of what you said into like uh, how it walked out in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you said, yeah, you got to figure out if all that stuff is worth it, because you if you don't have the time to manage the home. You got to pay somebody else to do it and they're going to want a fee. And you usually usually really right around they want 10 percent of the monthly rent typically. Right. Yeah. And and that's where it's kind of like, OK. What happens if when's the new when do you need a new roof? When do you need a new AC? What about this? What about that? Are, are you getting a, a pretty trustworthy person to live in your home to take care of it? And that's where you got to get comfortable with all that stuff. And that's yeah. what's cool is that I just, I mean, you put out a slew. I just saw a slew of uh, social media activity from the Strive for 25 podcast on several platforms. And, and that's what you're doing. You're helping people get comfortable with things that are that can be very profitable, but there is risk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like, as you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about something that just happened to us, like my own house, we've had some storms come through and this is my primary residence where we live and we have to get a new roof and there's damage and the, there's some wood rot and whatever. And the insurance company didn't accept the claim. Right. So I got to, I got to fork out money to replace the entire roof on my own. Like, like, that's something that's wasn't expected, but I, I have no other no other choice but to figure out how to make it happen. And um, one of the things that kind of going back to the savings equation, this is a, a lot of what we talk about, is that again, income on its expenses equals your savings. It's, it's it's very simple, but there's a lot of content out there about cutting you know your 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 expenses and cutting your Starbucks or doing meal prep or budgets and whatever. But all the time you put towards you know, thinking about a budget and thinking about not spending money or whatever, there's only so much return on your time you're going to get. And there's another part of the equation that's out there and that's the income part. Well, what, what can be done about that part of the equation? And not everybody has the time or capacity or, or, or drive to want to focus on that. But um, a lot of the people that we're talking to are on the younger, earlier part of their journey and a little bit more um, you know, less responsibilities, I guess you'd say, you know, when you've got kids, it takes up, it changes your entire life. Um, but there's people out there that are building businesses on the side. They have their nine to five job. And then there's just an immense drive for this, this, you know, younger crowd. I'm, I'm part of that. I'm, I'm in my late 30s. So my crowd and below um, to want to get out of their nine to five job. They, they don't, we don't want to work for somebody else and build their dream. Why can't I build my dream? Why can't I build my business? Now, not, not to say that it's easy, um, but in the podcast, I think we're nine or 10 episodes in, and there's a number of examples of people that have a, a regular job that they're doing, and then also doing something on the side yeah. to be able to generate more income and, and to be able to save money in this environment where, you know, the cost of living has gone up, you know, inflation is, is the hot topic of the last, you know, 12 months or so, 
God but at the end of the but yeah, at the end of the day, as we've I can't get through, I can't get chocolate milk at the grocery store, man. It's a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> people don't, right. don't want to work. And I'm not I'm, I say that jokingly, but because I know there are a lot of people that are feeling it. So I'm not I'm not trying to make light of it. But it, what you're saying is serious. So you, you said over the last 12 months last year. Yeah, I I well, just lighten it up with a bit with that chocolate milk joke. But it is serious. And, yeah. and I'm not making light of it, but it. it it's it's on people's minds. Inflation and the cost of living is on people's minds right now. And and the 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 second part, the part that you're going over right now, this is the interesting part. That well, this is this is a cool part too. Because all three parts are cool that you got, man. But the way you divided it into those parts and the way you roll one into one into two into two into three, it's nice. Yeah, and that's just you know the biggest thing for me is like you know the the why the why why somebody does something right like. If you read an inspirational quote on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, and you keep scrolling, there's a ton of stuff out there over and over and over. It's just, you know, there's a lot of the same stuff cut into different forms. Then the question is, well, what do, what do you do with it, right? Does that one tweet that inspires you in the moment, you know, get you fired up or energetic in the moment? Well, what happens a, a day from now, a week from now? Well, most of the time it just passes in the wind. And so that's part of why this channel exists because I've had my own journey. Like um, I'll give you an example of this. So on July 12th, I decided that I was going to start posting on Instagram for strive for 25. I, there, the channel didn't exist yet at that point. At that point, it was just a YouTube channel and having conversations with people about building wealth and diff different things we've already kind of talked about. But that day I decided I was going to make this happen. And so um, you know, I actually purchased some information from a couple resources, et cetera, off of, you know, the ins and outs of how to get started. But I had been reading the book Atomic Habits, which is a book by James Clear, kind of just maps out a lot of the details of the, the biology of habits and the process of building habits. And, you know, when you, when you, most people, when they, when they want something, just like your new year's resolution, when you want something, right, you start on it, you get a weekend or two weeks in and, you get distracted and you stop or you don't see results and you stop. And well, we're going to get in. Oh, it's good. Keep going, man. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So in the book, he talks about the two minute rule and taking the pressure off, just literally just put on your timer for two minutes. And if you're rocking and rolling, you know, keep on going. If you're not do the two minutes and it counts and then start back the next day, like literally mastering the art of showing up. And so for me, you know, my day starts in like six or 30 or seven, get the kids up, you know, maybe take one of them to school, depending on the day, go to work, get back by five. I, my wife is a counselor. She works at night as well. So I take over from five till seven thirty-eight till they go down. So it's dinner, it's play, it's bath and then nighttime. So by seven 30, I'm exhausted. Like I'm done. So the thought of like getting more work done, it was like the most traumatic anxiety thing possible. That's a problem. <laughs> That, that, that is, mm -hmm. that is, and that is, that is like, yeah, 3% of 300,000. I don't even want to figure <laughs> that out. I don't right? want to figure that out. I want to turn the TV and, and decompress relax because I have to get ready for tomorrow. Totally, totally. But I had big goals. I, I have these things, these dreams that I want to be able to accomplish. And I just hit a point where I, I, I got to figure something out. And so I started the two minute rule for my nighttime habit. And I'm. Wait, wait. Let me ask you this real quick, though. Mm hmm. What made you change your mind? It's a good uh, question. <laughs> what made you change your mind? Because because I because right now I get what you're saying. It's like it's like yeah, 
and then something internally compelled you, motivated, or inspired you. I'm not sure. Which one was it? Were you compelled, <laughs> motivated, or inspired to take that step? Because it is a step. When you're like, yeah, it's a step that I'm taking. Okay, I'm going to do this. And and because I asked that question, Joel, because you when, when you said you're going to do this, this um, you're going to do this thing, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this mortgage thing and I'm going to do it all in. I'm, I'm all in. So when you make this kind of a decision, I know that you're making it from an all in starting point. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're 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 a smart, intelligent guy. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, when we look at just the way that our minds, you know, uh, operate, right? You know, we're a series of thought. Like literally, our 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 actions and results are derived from our our thoughts, right? You're, you the way you the way you think about dictates and creates an emotion, which is how you feel. Yeah, the way you feel, I agree, affects how you act, and then how you act you know, over time, you know, gets to becomes results, who you right? are, it becomes who you are. And so with that being said, you know, I wasn't happy with where things are. I, I, in, in my opinion, I, 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 there's certain things I feel like I've been in neutral for the last few years. We've had a, a, some amazing successes, like from, um, you know, we, we get rated and, and uh, we, we, um, our actual closing volume for our, for our job, right? That that's how we kind of compare ourselves to our peers, right? Yeah. The more you close, and quote unquote, the better you are, right? And yeah. and so our that's volume has gone up, go. and yeah. So we've had strong growth in that way, but I, I wasn't fulfilled. I, I wasn't I, I wasn't satisfied where where things were going. I mean, we keep on going down this path and continue to grow. We've built a team, but I wanted more, and I just wasn't satisfied with that, and. Um, you know, we, we did kind of hit this kind of natural plateau. And so that, that was, that was eating at me from the inside out for, for a long time. Now, and why so, did it eat at you? What about the plateau you did you not like? I mean, you got where you wanted to be, right? Mm-hmm. So what was it about the plateau that, that wasn't satisfying? Uh, I should say that didn't satisfy for so long. That's, I think that's something that I'm still trying to figure out that's cool i understand that man i do i understand that yeah because you know when you talk about purpose and and your why we we say this all the time when your why is strong enough the how figures itself out like we talk about this equilibrium so yeah i remember you guys saying that and that's that's yeah yeah like when things are not going well and maybe maybe you you owe somebody money and your car breaks down and you got to pay this person back because they because they lent you money and you know, you owe somebody 200 bucks a month for six months. And so for the next six months, you bust like heck to be able to save and make more money or whatever to pay this person back. Right. And it's uncomfortable being down here where you are, right, where you owe somebody money, for example. So then six months goes by and you get to this equilibrium. Right. I just paid you back. And it's like, well, well, now what? Right. You know, I, I hit this goal. And then we have this resting place, this resting equilibrium of things that we normally do. These subconscious programs are what we are used to doing. And if as, I just as, as on, you're used to doing to on the way to attain that goal, right? You're, you're well, saying, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying we have these resting equilibriums of before okay. this thing happened. We have this resting place of equilibriums and subconscious programs in our brains okay. that dictate our, our days and what we do and not and don't do in our, in our habits, right? But then when this thing kicks in and you, know, you have this project that you have to be able to pay somebody back, you your act your actions change, right? Because certain things are taking over in, in, in your life. So you pay the person back over six months, but it's like, okay, well, 
what if you keep on going on those same actions, right? If you just kept on doing what you're doing, the same activities to be able to save the money, then, well, guess what? You're going to be saving money more and more and more and get to this higher level. Okay. But gotcha. just as uncomfortable as it can be down here, right? That sparks that, that energy to be able to get ahead. The higher level can be just as, as uncomfortable. And sometimes we pull back and get back to this equilibrium. And so, ah, now this is making, okay. I wasn't quite understanding what you were talking about with that equilibrium. Okay. I get what you're saying. So let me make sure. I'm, so you're saying you come from a place, you come from a pit, you mm-hmm. get up to, you get up to ground level, you get some success, but then somehow something goes on in, in the person's life and they find their way back down to ground level. Mm-hmm. Now, is that now when you're saying we're using this in this, uh, this illustration, are you thinking monetarily? Are you thinking fulfillment? Are you thinking like the whole being? I think it has many levels and sometimes it's all encompassing and sometimes it's very specific, but yeah, I think it's got all, all these different levels of it. Kind of like know? the, I think I look at it as a whole being, man. I look at it as the whole being. Yeah. Kind of like, and, 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 um, I'm not going to try to pretend to know what you're going through, man, because, but I can relate because we both have kids, young kids. <laughs> and, uh, um, it's, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing as, as we go along this life and things change and, and being a parent makes you think about things really differently. So you made this decision six years ago and, and you guys had your boys, how many years ago? In 2019. Three years ago. So you actually yep. started doing this before that, which is pretty cool. And we, my wife and I had a similar situation where we started taking action on our own on some things before we had kids, but it ended up being shortly before we ended up having kids. And I'm kind of like, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing how that kind of timed out. And then you start wondering, well, is there something inside of me that I already knew? I don't know. And we, people have all kinds of different thoughts and beliefs on, on how their life on the happenings of their lives, man. That's cool. Now there was something else you said earlier, man, but you were going, and I didn't want to interrupt you. So I'm not going to try to pretend what it was, but it was good. And I'm sure we'll get back to it. All right. All right. Now, the podcast, we you got the podcast on with you on iTunes, Spotify, yeah, so all that Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, you're on YouTube, Google. It's it's also on YouTube. Some other videos, some short videos that clips are on there. Instagram, I'm on there posting every day something uh, along these lanes. Um, like literally this morning, I posted something about uh, a clip from Michael Jordan. I think Ahmad Rashad was interviewing him, and he, you know, talking about which championship was the. They said that the first one was the hardest. He said no. The last one was the hardest because once you get that first one and then the second one, that hunger, that all that hunger that that drove you to get to get there, all the hunger that drives you to do the, all the little things it takes to be prepared for you know a battle in, in these games, that hunger you know gets a little bit less each time you you win, each time you get to the highest of heights, that that hunger becomes less and less, and you have to. He talks about how having to manufacture this this desired hunger almost out of thin air, creating these battles out of thin air. And, you know, some people just have, some people have to manufacture it. And that, that's the stuff that, you know, that we dig into on this channel, dig into personally, because we're trying to be able to, you know, do some pretty special things. And, you know, it, it's easy to, 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 you know, remain at your equilibrium. And when you're trying to do more things, it, it, it's, it's a battle with yourself. You know, it's a battle inside of itself to be able to keep pushing yourself because we have this, this resting place this resting equilibrium um, that, that we are comfortable at. Right. 
So our, our, our brains like to preserve energy. Right? When, when things are hard, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a battle to, to push, push yourself ahead of that. And that's a whole different, you know, no, but it, talk, right, talk. Right. No, but that's, this is good because this is exactly where we're, we're talking about. We're talking about you, Joel, because <laughs> you're right, man. I agree with you. And, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, everybody falls into moments of laziness and everybody falls into moments of activity. And the, I think sometimes in our lives, people have that activity as a, as a result of compulsion. And maybe that activity is more activity than it is purpose, but it looks like a lot of activity. So it looks like purpose, but in the end, it ended up just being activity without a lot of purpose. And it's a horrible way to see people live their lives like that. Right. It's kind of like, man, that's, you want to, you want to say, Hey, you understand this? Maybe you can. And I got young kids and I'm trying to help them understand this too. And I know yours are a little bit younger than mine, but man, it's, it's wild as you start raising kids and you start talking about habits. That's what it was. You were talking about habits, oh, habits. man, habits. And, and then when you're raising kids, there's age appropriate habits. And then there's, and, my, and it's just, it's, it's a wild thing because they're yours. They're part you and they're part your wife. And it's wild. It is a wild thing. And this is, this is what's cool about what you're doing. Is you, and I, and I, I gave everybody the backstory on how we met you because you cared enough about veterans to take less money. Really? That's what it boiled down to, Joel. And that's why I was like, that's why we couldn't believe it. We we're like, dude, nobody else is giving us this money to refinance this house. Where is this coming from? And you explained it to us. And I'll, I'll say this. We, we called one bank and one guy did finally say, he's like, here's what we do. And this is why that guy can give you what he can give you. And this other guy, and we can't. And we we're like, dang, that's crooked. <laughs> but it's legal. It's completely legal, but it's crooked. And that's why I was like, you know what? You wanted to help people, man. And that's why I'm getting at. It's like you, you, and then six years ago, you're like, I want to help people in a new way. And you start the podcast. Now, the next question is, what did you understand about yourself and the finance industry or sector, whatever you want to call it? Because you're good at this stuff, Joel, that made you go, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? So, so from, from the very beginning? Yeah, like like in your life, like like wherever you were, whatever time you were, because I remember whatever age you were, like when you're like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. You know, it, it's such an interesting thing because, you know, I was 23. I graduated college and I was working at the melting pot serving tables and I had an econ degree and played baseball and you know, had I a lot know of fun. That's right. You, I actually, I knew to remember because I know you got a big Cardinals fan, man. Yeah, yeah. And I had a, I had a a regular that would come in with her kids. Her name was Kim Dotson. Kim, if you're out there, thank you again. I mean, this is we're talking like 20 years later. Okay. She was working at City. Yeah. After um, you know, probably a year or so of her coming in every quarter with you know her kids, and she said, you know, I think I'm gonna try to get you an interview for a job. I was like, okay, I, I definitely appreciate that. And this was in 2005 and six, so the, the the labor market wasn't stellar at that time. And I got an interview at City City Group, and I've been interviewing right, so a bunch of different companies and whatever. And uh, it was in the mortgage industry at, at City Group, uh, working in uh, the Smith Barney 
um, spent Barney Morgan Stanley platform with financial advisors. And I didn't know what a mortgage was. I didn't know anything about that stuff. Right. Like they hired me and I was 23 talking to financial advisors and some high net worth clients and whatever about mortgages. And they have an amazing training program and, you know, I learned fast and, you know, did okay and survived and kept on going and going and going. And so, you know, that's where things started I mean, literally in 2006 and just kind of how it happened circumstantially and things evolved. I, my career, you know, moved to a different company along the way and, you know, you, along the way got, you get better what you do and find other opportunities that open up. Um, but there, there was a time, um, you know, in, in that stretch of me playing baseball and, and this is something I look, I look back on, you know, they gave me some extra perspective on things because time it's, it's hard to understand time when you're 23, right? That, Hey, you know what? I want to get all this stuff right now. I want to be able to make good money. I want to be able to do all these things. I want to get the job. I want to get the title, whatever. And, you know, but you used to I want to party at the same time. I want to party it, hard. Right. Every, I'm a party hard at the same time. Yeah. I want to go do my day job uh, on a Thursday, go then from there, change up, go work my, my serving job on a Thursday and then party at night and have some drinks late in the, in the evening and maybe get a couple hours of sleep and then show up to work the next morning and all refreshed and, and ready to go at it again. Like that, that, that was, that was what we were doing back in those days. I um, <laughs> right. But I was working this, um, this freezer job. It was the worst job. It was, it was terrible. Like no, you in say a freezer, a freezer job, like literal freezer, like, like, like I'm in a temperature. I, it was called the cold store. It was like, okay, but 12 degrees. We have our, our jumpsuits on and we have our gloves and our hats and we're just basically picking boxes and all this stuff and taking them onto a pallet jack and taking them to the dock. And the cool thing about this job was that the faster that you went, the more you got bonuses uh, on your pay. So you have a base wage and then you get paid uh, you know, higher the faster you go. So that first summer, I think I was my sophomore year, that first summer, I was just like, I was in like the best shape. Like I was just, I was like sprinting for eight straight, eight hours straight, just taking these boxes. And they had a leaderboard and I could, I just never, I never could get to the top. I just couldn't, I never figured out what the heck was going on. So I was doing that, doing that, doing that. And then like literally, um, fall break and like October time, you know, a, a couple people, a couple of the top people weren't there and they were like, Hey, you know, this order just popped up. This is a big one. We're trusting you can get it done. Okay. Do it. And that day I was like, Holy shnikes. Like that, that day I had this big order that, had, and it was, you know, whatever event coming up and this order had multiples, right? So like, Rather than picking, you know, this slot, two boxes and putting it on the pallet jack, I was picking 24 boxes on this pallet, on, on this thing and putting it onto the pallet, right? And so, like, this is all very specific to this job. Like, so at that moment in time, I finished the whole day of working on this, these big orders. And this guy's his name was Kaiser. And this is, uh, you know, I'm not sure if there's any any allusion to the the, the movie Usual Suspects. This guy was the number one guy, Kaiser Soze, by the way, is uh, the the guy from Usual Suspects. Great movie, okay. by the way. I you know, I've never okay. seen that movie, man. I've never seen Kevin Spacey's and yeah, it's, it's a good movie. Um, but Ka Kaiser was the number one guy, and and that day, that day, Kaiser wasn't there, and I I was the number one guy, and I made the top dollar, whatever, all because of the all because of the multiples, all because he had the seniority, he had shown and demonstrated the history of showing up every single day 
busting his tail and executing every single day. So he, he was reliable and he did a great job, right? But that day I got the opportunity to show what I can do on these these big orders that had the multiple. So I made the extra money. But but before that time, I, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't number one. That that day I figured out it was time. I, I hadn't put enough time in to show that I was reliable, to show that I could do the work and just show that I deserved the opportunity. And so that that day was something that, that I always look back on because when you're 23, you just don't get time. Don't you don't you don't understand it. Uh and then you know, as you go on in your life, things change and opportunities come up. And if you fail and succeed and fail and succeed, every failure is an opportunity. You can either get you down or it's an opportunity to be able to figure out how to get how to get better. Um, and then going back to the why, right? Let, 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 let's dig into this, right? Because, you know, it, it's e- it's easy to 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 have have successes and then be complacent. It's easy to fall backwards. Yeah, go ahead. Hold on, one second, one second, man. So I'm gonna go back to that time thing because just before, so I'll, I'll, we'll be able to get you back up here. So the yeah. time thing. So at that age, at that point, you recognize that you were gonna have to do some medium to long term planning to some degree, right? Like I have to have. In other words, like okay, if I'm gonna, if I we're doing, I've, I had this opportunity to show that I can do this stuff, right? This guy's been doing it for a long time. They see that I can do this. They're not going to dump this guy for me because he's, he's been there with them and, and some come, some, whatever, you know, we just say this. Yep. And and now you realize that I got to do the work. Now, I, now I actually have to dig in. Yeah. Kind of what we're talking about. Right. I think a lot of people, hundred percent. then this is where it's like helping people get to that point where you're you're you can't make them dig in but you can help them get to that point where they make the decision to dig in sorry sorry man that was yeah, that, yeah. I, I want to get in no, on that but go no, ahead that, that, i mean that's a good place to kind of go, go back to because you know you you can't make a horse you you can bring a horse to water but you can't make a horse drink it right either mm-hmm. somebody wants to do it or they, or they or they don't and maybe it's just not their time um, and, and that's what's funky about this life man but you're doing something anyway. It's like, it's like, so what do you do? Do you not help anybody? And now we can go back to your, now, now what about the why here? Right. So go ahead, man. Well, th- this is something that, you know, crystallized for me because I, I, I'm a, that, that definitive hundred percent ADD brain, like all these things going on a million, a million ideas and probably a half of one, maybe a good one um, kind of a thing, but so hard on yourself, Joel. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But, you know, there's a book uh, called The Power of Consistency uh, by Walden Long. And this is a guy that that was in jail three different times along the way. And, um, you know, his, his father passed away. And that pain, the pain of his father passing away, and he had a, a three-year-old kid at the time and a failed marriage and this all like, you know, all, all the things that he was going through, you know, he, he realized that the negative outlook that he had on himself was affecting the way that he felt, which was affecting the way that he acted and which affected his results. And, and, you know, the, the crimes that he committed were all based off of, you know, the choices that he made and somebody else may, may have the same circumstances, but they're dealing with that in a different way. And so the choices that he made were basically, you know, going backwards to the way he thought the things that he was thinking about. So um, the pain that he was going through of his father passing away and, you know, missing out on his kid's life 
you know, drove him to want to get better, drove him to, to want to figure out a way to be able to be better for himself and his kid. And so he started reading all these books with Stephen Covey and Tony Robbins and all this stuff. And he started to realize that like literally the things that I mentioned before, that your results are a, like a linear relation to the things you think about. So if you think about it as a series of zeros and ones, you know, like a computer, <laughs> if you've got a hundred, if you've got a hundred zeros and 90 of them are negative and 10 of them are positive. I mean, then you're going to be thinking mostly about negative things, but what if you can flip the scale and get, you know, one more positive and one less negative, right? So now, now you have 89 negatives and 11 positives and well, oh shoot, what about tomorrow? I had one more positive thing that I'm thinking about of whatever it is. You can start to, you know, tilt the scales and then all of a sudden, you know, 30 days later, a month later, whatever it is, now you have 51 positives and 49 negatives, right? And you start to fall forward and start instead of falling backwards, man. And then, and now I'm blanking. You you don't have the editing here, so I just blanked. I don't know where I was going with this. Damn. No, it's all right. Don't worry about it. We were talking about. We're, <laughs> it's a way no. of healing, is it? I know it happened to me too. You know, what? I'll bring. The, I'll, I'll bail you out of this one, Joe. Well, you, I, 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 got, I got, I got, it, I got it. Got it. Right, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, for for him to kind of make a long story short, you know, he says, "Hey, I'm going to be very intentional about what I want to put into my brain and build a process around it." And basically, he calls it his prosperity plan. I'm going to take 15 minutes in the about morning. What he's going to put into his brain. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So he built a routine about it. And he's literally just like driving your car home from work after a long day where you're exhausted and you're on the phone, maybe making some phone calls. You stop by the drive-thru, pick up get gas or, or, or milk or whatever from the store. Next thing you know, you arrive at your house without consciously thinking about it. You're leaving it out of traffic, not thinking about it at all. Like your subconscious brain takes over. And he talks about, well, that same power that got you home safely without consciously th consciously thinking about it. What if you can harness that same subconscious power to help you reach your goals? And, you know, for him, it's goals and, and business goals and life goals with his family, goals with his kids, goals with his health, all these different things. He's kind of mapped out and he basically builds this plan that he's just reminding himself every single day and programming his subconscious brain of what he wants to do every single day. Almost like, you know, Bumper lanes he uses in the book, bumper lanes to help keep you on track. You know, you're going to miss a day. You're going to fall off, fall off the wagon here and there, but it's the ability to get back on track and, and keep going, anchoring, anchoring yourself to be able to keep on going. And so for me, back in 2018, that was one stepping stone for me that well, shoot. Like if, if that's, if that's going to help me get to where I want to go, then I'm going to have to just go all in on that and just keep doing what I got to do and program my program, my subconscious brain to reach my goals. Cause, cause literally what we do in our job, and mortgage uh, is we're dealing with chaos all day, chaos all day. Yeah, so, and so it doesn't this, stop. So, so here, here, so, so you recognize now you haven't said it in so many words, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to say it like this, and okay. let me know if I'm right or wrong. All right. Yeah. So you recognize that that your mind works a certain way, and you found an industry, or you, how you found that industry, it was from that introduction in the job and job. So how you even came into it is kind of like not even intentional all the way. Right. Mm -hmm. Yet. And, 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 and Hey man, I, I'm, I'm, my life is the same way. <laughs> I, can't take, I can't take credit for it. So I'm not like I say, right. I had this from the time that I was in first grade and yeah, this is all part of my grand plan. No, nothing like that. But then, then you, you were like, yeah. So what made you, what, so what made you real? So I got that. We, you had an understanding about yourself. What was it about the finance sector that you're like, cause, cause I'm wondering if it's the chaos. Was it like, is it the chaos of it and well, you being able to make some order out of it that you're like, I enjoy doing that? 
I think so. And that on top of, hey, you know, when you someone is buying a house, I mean, it's a pretty big deal mm-hmm. in, their, in their life. And you're, help, you're helping somebody get to a goal, you know, it's service, gratitude, helping somebody. And, you know, and then at, at the same time, as I got into it, like I'm just that competitive nature. Hey, if somebody's doing this, I want to be able to be you know, better. I want to be able to show that I'm better with the numbers or whatever. So that competitive drive also has a factor in there, you know? So I think all that together. And so, and that's the thing is that some people get into a job that they absolutely hate. Right. And then they pivot and they find the next thing and the next thing, but just out of sheer luck, this just happened to be something that I actually enjoyed. And through all the pain and struggle that we deal with every single day and in cast, we deal, it's, it's still worth it. We still love anybody that's in our industry loves what we love, what they do. And that's uh, what's at, at the heart of it. And that's what you, it's, it was evident when we met you, that was like, okay, this guy thinks about things differently because nobody else is nobody at that time, (laughs) at that time, people, we still, we heard of other uh, banks and organizations doing that later on. But at that time you were the only person. This is why I was really thankful for, for that guy, Eric Gandia. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Introducing me to Joel Farrell because Eric is the one who introduced me to you. And, and that's what it's kind of like, man, it's, it's cool because you got a heart, you, you got a very active mind and you got a heart to help people and you're intelligent, man. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, pre- I, I appreciate that man I mean, you're very welcome joel because it's the truth man <laughs> okay but like yeah go ahead all right sorry. did you want to say something else well just kind of going back to the to you know the, the numbers of a, of a refinance like in those times okay. it's like your rates are going down whatever and you know there's that kind of old rule of thumb well if the rate doesn't go down by a full percent then it's not worth doing and that's that kind of mindset was out there from a lot of not only consumers but also other people in the business, right? Lenders. And so, and I forget where, what the numbers were at that time. It's been so long, but like, you know, going down a percent on, on the rate, you know, there were a number of fees that were built into the the transaction because in the state of Virginia, you, you got transfer taxes, you got title fees, you've got lender fees, you've got the VA funding fee as well. And so in the active duty lifestyle, sometimes you just don't know how long you're going to be at that place or how long you're going to have the property. So it, you know, if you're going to roll in $10,000 in fees and may only be there for a year or two, the numbers may not make sense. The break even is just not going to make sense. And so, you know, we were able to look at the numbers and, you know, I think the first transaction, you know, we maybe went down like a half percent, but we were able to cover all the closing costs and uh, also some extra escrow money as well with premium credits. And the numbers worked out and the savings of the payment was, was worth the time. And you know, that's just kind of the, the basis, basics of it. And, and unfortunately, that market is is doesn't exist anymore like that. The, the premium credits just don't exist anymore in this market. So it's it's uh, right. things it's, change, it's, unfortunately. It's a different time. It's a different time. At that time, it was different. And which is why I was which is why you stood out among everybody else, man. <laughs> that's why you stood out. It was like, wow, this is pretty cool. OK, Joel. Now, I I know some of these answers, but I don't know them all the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh so let's find out. Were yep. you uh, were you raised with a belief system? Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. what kind of yep. belief system? Yep. I was raised Catholic in St. Okay. Louis, and and you know, I went to a Catholic grade school, and you know, in Florissant, Missouri, there was a lot of Catholic grade schools all scattered around the North County and all across St. Louis, and you know, it was very, very prominent in these areas. And, you know, obviously things have changed a lot since then. Um, but raised Catholic, my parents are Catholic, my entire family is Catholic. Um, and I am, I, I am not Catholic. Um, 
I am not Catholic at, at this point in my life. And, you know, things, things that I'm, I'm a very, you know, logical scientific type of person when it comes to these, these things. And, um, well, yeah. What, what was your next question? I'm sorry. That's all right. And that's fine, man. That's right. So, cause we can say, how have you, how has your belief system changed since then? Yeah. So, and I went to a, a private, you know, all boys high school as well. So, the the Catholic teachings, the Catholic uh, rituals were part of my upbringing and something that it was a private high school. It was like all boys high school. All, all, all boys. Yeah. Dismet um, this, this Jesuit. And so, you know, the all, most of the teachings are very positive, tr- you know, love, uh, treat your neighbor with love kind of a mindset, which I believe I believe I agree with all that stuff. But the higher power and having, you know, um, some type of. Um, personification, human type of traits and things like that are things that I struggle with, um, you know, going back in time and, you know, think my, my beliefs have evolved over time into more of a holistic, you you know, you know, how all these things that, that all, all the little details it takes to, for life to exist, you know, it's all these things have come together by sheer chance. Like, I mean, how is that possible? Right? That, that those are the other parts of these beliefs that I have. That's like, how is it all possible that all these things can fall into place? All these lucks and chances of things that happen over billions of years of evolution to fall into place to have life. And then you kind of go into the Fermi paradox, which you know, the Fermi paradox. You know, we can't, we don't see life, um, um, so maybe it doesn't exist. Or go and, ahead and, and tell, I'm, talk, talk, tell us about the Fermi paradox. And how so, you're applying, and how you're applying it? Yeah, well, I, I I'm, I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to leave it for the the listeners out there to, to Google it. Okay, uh, just general, just general, just 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 general. But just you know, hey, we don't see alien life out there, so are are we alone? Versus you know, and I'm blanking, I'm blanking on the other side of it, but that's all right. Um, the 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 point of it though is that like this, we're in this universe. Are we all alone or not all alone? And it, like, it's mass, this massive you know, empty space, billions of light years of space. And here we are, you know, just running our daily lives, you know, on, on earth, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty mind boggling when you really start to (laughs) to actually digest what that actually means. Yeah. And, you know, going back to a higher power, I mean, like how does this all fit together and and by pure chance or something more. And that's something that, you know, is 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 a part of me, you know. I, I I've fallen away from some of the the religious doctrine, so to so to say. But the idea of faith, the idea of belief in something, is something that I would say is still part of of who I am. Got it, and that's cool. I understand. I understand completely. You said it well, Joe. You definitely said it well, man. You said it well. All right, man. So, uh, marijuana. You're in Missouri. They have a yeah. marijuana program, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've got some. I, I, it's not my thing. Not your thing. Not my, thing. Cool. my, my wife, my wife likes it. Uh, people in my life, you know, are, do it. Um, I have a friend that works in the industry. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, like to each their own. Like it's not not something that I choose to want to do, but I know a lot of people. It helps for certain reasons and maybe it's medical, maybe it's not, maybe it's, it's temperament, maybe it's mood, whatever, but there's a, a ton of people that it, that it helps. And so at, at the end of the day, I'm just surprised that there's not more adoption, you know, at this point, you know, obviously it's, it's, a, it goes state by state in the, in the 
history in these states that go backwards and you know decades and hundreds of years but yeah yeah so so what were we saying before um what do you think uh, about like so so you don't use you're not a patient but you know people who do and mm -hmm. you're surprised that it hasn't been more widely accepted what so what's what like what's it like in missouri like when you like when, when you started seeing you see i don't know do you see uh like um do they allow uh what's the, what i'm thinking of uh billboards do they allow billboards for cannabis dispensaries no no nothing like that so what, no. when you where are you actually seeing is it just the storefronts or is it like you know what i mean like where you when i drove into michigan in 2021 i hadn't been back in a long time and there were billboards for cannabis all over the place. And I was like, wow, it's different. It's really different. Well, is it, is it, is it fully available or is it just medicinal? It's recreational okay. there too. It's recreational oh, there okay. too. That's what I was wondering. And I haven't okay. really seen billboards here, but I have seen uh companies sponsor. You know what I mean? So they're getting, they got, they got that public logo out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I would say from a public standpoint, it's, it's not widespread like that. You're not going to see any billboards things but the people that that want it and need it they know right where to go to get it and you know st louis st louis is uh you know uh, um, encompassed by the highway 270 that's like a half circle essentially so on the north side or the south side of st louis you can get into illinois and the people that are near those parts of of the county can get to illinois very very easily to get what they want to get and illinois got recreational get. right mm -hmm. yep Ooh. So what do you think, man? Do you think, what are, you, what are your thoughts on? I mean, I, I know you said, you know, some people, but what are, what are your thoughts on, on marijuana itself and, and you know, just marijuana itself? Well, um, it's, it, it's, it's just a very interesting topic, right? I mean, like the, from, from a, from a business standpoint, I mean, people want it or willing to pay for it. Right. There's a lot of states that are struggling with tax dollars. I mean, it's it's it just makes sense from a business standpoint, doesn't it? Right. I mean, it, it be able to generate the tax dollars and and potentially create more uh, commerce and more business and all the things that go into the production of it. So from a business standpoint, it, it just makes sense. Right. I mean, when you look at the history of and again, I'm not a historian um an expert when it comes to stuff, but me neither. Don't worry. <laughs> from, from, from the the difference between alcohol and cannabis, right? I mean, they're on different sides of the spectrum in terms of the effects and benefits and you know risks and all that stuff, right? Um, but there's a, 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 a some point in, in this country's history, there was a, a a line in the sand that was made that said, okay, we're okay with alcohol, but we're, we're not okay with cannabis. And there's probably a lot of you know reasons that go into that that have, may have some demographical um uh, associations and that, that that part you know if you do if you do a little bit digging on that it's it's, it's interesting but uh at this point in time it just makes business sense and so i don't know I, I, the, the states they would they all want to have their their say in, in the matter i guess i was surprised missouri did it missouri's a, i mean missouri's like right you know that's that's right in the middle of the midwest it's like wow missouri i was kind of surprised they did i was happy to see it because i have a I have a family member or one of a family member out there who's got brain cancer. So it's like, yeah, that's good that she can access that. That's really good. So I was do really you, happy. Was do, you, do you know how many states don't allow medicinal, medicinal? I think it's less than 20 right now. I think okay. it's the last time I checked the map. 
of course there's an election coming up right now next month but or in november yeah. rather but um um i want to say it's like off the top of my head i want to say like less than 20 because th- there's variations of like decriminalized uh medical um recreational and you know they they all have their own flavor it's like you can grow in this one you can home grow in this one you can you can't there i can't grow anything in florida so that kind of sucks because <laughs> this stuff like you said this stuff costs money man that would be an i would i would i would and I, this stuff already exists but I, I would listen to how to grow this stuff and i've i've, I've had a couple episodes with some people who who are growers and they're really good growers and they have integrity when it comes to what they put on that plant and i'm like that would be some stuff that i would that's that's somebody i would take advice from right and uh so yeah maybe maybe oh yeah maybe yeah um yeah so that would be great if i could grow that would be great because that would save money and it'd be it's it's a skill right that'd be great right oh yeah but so right now i mean do you i mean do you smell it when you go out there because i'm in florida i i don't even really smell it i I don't really smell it when I go out and I'm out and when I'm, when I'm out and about, you don't really smell it. I mean, you see those vape puffs, you know, when you're at an event, you see a vape puff go up in the air, but that you don't know what that's, that's, that's been with nicotine and tobacco, you know, for a while. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see, it's not like I drove into like a state that has recreational where it's like, yeah, the billboards are over the place and it's like, wow, it's visually different. I don't know. What do you, What's what do you what's your observations of that? In, in regards to to smelling see. it, smelling, I know yeah, you yeah. Really see it. No, you really see it. Yeah, it, it, just, it just yeah to to witness it in that type of regard. It just depends on on where you go. It, it, it just you know sometimes you sometimes you do smell, sometimes you don't. Like it just depends. And any more I than mean, I guess any more than any more than pre legalization for medical. No. That's what I was getting. Is like as much. Okay, I, I I haven't seen, you know, much of a change in terms of just going out and about to restaurants and bars or clubs or whatever. Now I will say, you know, like and then we, we actually talked. I think talked about this on a different uh, call. You know, the whole COVID experience. Um, I had twin boys that were born in August of nineteen. So my whole entire COVID experience, I was locked up in my house anyway as it is trying to navigate that whole world so getting out and about you know for the last couple of years has is, is been challenging um in, in that regard but yeah. all, all in all i mean i would say that you know from my experience it hasn't really changed okay right on right on all right man now we kind of touched on it and uh let me know i know you what time what how much time you got for your hard stop what time i don't, I don't... I, i'm good for another 20 minutes or so okay cool right if on. you want if you want to go that long whatever all right well we got we got i just want to we got to hit up these last few questions cool cool so you believe in a higher power not so sure about how to describe it but you believe that something there's something very complex about this world and this life that it's just too much to be mean nothing or have been put together by accident so what do you think about a life after this life you thinking there's a life after this life and if you do think there's a life after this life you think there's some form of payment that's due upon death so from you know kind of going back to what i was mentioning before from a, a scientific perspective and then kind of this all being you know this energy of of the world right like um um you know the du- the dualism of, of 
particles and waves, right? The actual electrons or atoms, you know, can, you know, or even a photon, the duality of it being a wave uh, and, a, and a particle, right? Like, you know, the, the, uh, um, the gravity field, the electron field, the proton field, the, these fields are pervasive across the entire, you know, uh, vast universe. And they're just basically ripples of, uh, of the fabric of space, the ripples of these, uh, these fields. And so from a scientific perspective, I mean, I guess you can say um, that we're connected in, 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 in that type of a way all, all together, right? I mean, literally you hear about, um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about, you know, we are, we are literally, we are, our body is literal stardust. Like the, this earth, this sun is that's 4 billion year 14, yeah, 4, 4 billion years old is literally the remnants of another star, uh, supernova that erupted and co you know, coalesced together and the gravity fields pull all this matter together. And then, you know, condensed and became the sun and the remnants of or the the disk became the different planets. And we arose out of, you know, the matter that's surrounding these these planets. And so we are all interconnected in that way. Um, so I, that question is very hard for me to be able to to expand further on in, in the sense that, you know, Catholicism says that you want uh, upon death, you know, we basically, you know, by having faith in, in God and faith in, in Jesus, then we can get to heaven, this other place. And I, I don't know. I, I think that's that that's such a, a mind. I don't think our minds can really grasp what that means or doesn't mean. You know, we, we think we know what it means. We think we know where we want to go. Um, we believe in something. We believe in faith and having faith in something. You know, I think in and of itself is, is is important. But for me to say that there's another higher place after death, I can't even wrap my brain around it. Now, I, I will say something on the on the contrary to that. This is something that I can remember being in in grade school, in the library, in first or second grade. You know, thinking to myself. Because I, I and, and that time in my life, I was reading space books. I just love to read space books. They made us read books in, in libraries. So I was reading space books, whatever. No, I get it. My kids are getting so, book, like styles of books. I'm just kind of like, man, I wish yeah. I something better than that. <laughs> so the, the the question of what what if there was nothing? Like literally, like, what if there was no earth? What if there was no sun? What if there was no universe? What if there was literally nothing? Like that thought was going through my brain at like seven years old. If there was like literally nothing, there was no God, there was no nothing, like nothing at all. Like ab the absence of any type of matter, absence of any type of universe. But, but, but what would that mean? It wouldn't mean anything, obviously, because no one would be here to perceive it. But in that moment, when I got to my, my, my mind thinking about the that that question, just sent chills down my spine. And that's a question that, you know, every, every now and then comes to me, but, uh, does that, does that make sense what I'm saying? It does. Um, it sounds like you, you, you're not, you're undecided right now. And it kind of, I mean, let me see if this sounds right. Looking for an academic answer. Yeah, he's not in his head. Yes, <laughs> he just took a sip of some blood. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, 
logically speaking, is kind of where, where my mind goes to try to process these things. And yeah, have you ever heard of Blaise Pascal, you know, Pascalian theory? Blaise Pascal, French guy. Credit. Yeah, re re remind me. Modern computer. Okay. There's a there's a book he wrote called The Mind on Fire. I'm not I'm gonna try to say it in French. I'm not good at French. Beautiful language. I'm Ponces, P-E-N-S-E-S -E -S is where I believe it's spelled. And it's it's called The Mind on Fire. And it's basically uh it's kind of like aphorisms of his. You know, it, it was published after he died. And um he speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Like the guy was smart. I mean, he's credited with being the father of the modern computer. And uh, B-L-A-I-S-E. I, I know you're looking it up right now. Pascal, P-A-S-C-A-L. Yep. And uh, I think you might like it, man. I, I, okay. think, I think you might like it. Um, it's not a long read. And it's not like you have to go like, okay, I'm, I've dug into this chapter. And now I got to be all in or else I might have to, I have to finish this chapter. You can read just a couple of his, just a couple of his, uh, just a couple of pages. Kind of like, wow, that's. It's interesting. It's really good. I think you might like that, man. But I, because I can relate to that. It's kind of like, you know, something's there, but the options for what have been, the options on what have been presented in terms of organizational religions, because it's not just Christianity, religions, don't seem to really fit the way I'm experiencing this right now. And, um, and then, there, of course, they're all made up of people, so we're all fall, flawed and making mistakes with other people. But we're doing it as representatives of something that means the ultimate to somebody, and that's where that's where it gets real. That's where it can get um, weird, right? That's where it can get like, okay, how do things how do things work out in people's hearts and minds? And uh, yeah, man, it's it's. And you're definitely not alone. A lot of people are trying to figure out, like trying to make sense of things, man. It's kind of like, especially after the pandemic. And you know, when you said it, you're like, yeah, our boys were born in 2019 and we've raised them for the race. You know, lockdown, when did Missouri come out? You basically did like probably like a year and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that's uh, maybe two years, but that's, that's an interesting way to raise kids too. I think it'd be, I, you know, what I first thought of, I was kind of like, wow, you got a lot of time with them. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Working from home. Yeah. You know, lots of time. Like, lots yeah. of time. And, Which uh, is good. Yeah, man. It was, it was, it was nice. And, and, uh, and raising kids. All right. One last question, because this is, this is a good one. How is raising children? And how is that? impacted the way you think of a higher power i know if you, you can pass if you want to man yeah i mean not have I mean, enough time i know well it's, that, it's such a good question right i mean but i my answer is is really kind of hasn't hasn't changed at all hasn't changed you know the way that i've been thinking has been has been the way that it has been for for a while okay now your your purpose your your drive to to do everything you got to do to make sure to you can support them and love them and get them the things that they need um i mean that the type of energy it takes to make stuff happen you know like you you find things in your, in yourself that you didn't know you had you know when it comes to that's true you know doing a million things to try to 
support your your business, your job, your family, your kids, your wife. Like, you know, you're you're doing things you never thought you'd be able to do. You know, at crazy times of the day or night or whatever. So and you're doing it with a pretty good attitude for so long. Right. <laughs> so long. <laughs> right. Right. For so long. And then sleep deprivation sets in. And then, you know, a little little comment here, a little comment there. And then ah. Oh. And that's why that's that happened to us, man. It's happened. I see it happen to people too. And it's just kind of like, oh, you want that's when you want to give a word of encouragement, right? Totally, totally. So you're saying, go ahead, man. We were, were you done or, or? Well, I mean, because my answer is is that that part of it, and when it comes to spirituality and belief in a higher power, I mean, then it's uh, like the it heaven. Okay. No, so you still no. it hasn't impacted it, all right? Yeah. Okay. What, what what what's what's the typical answer on that that you see? Um. More, more, not a more profound because I haven't, I've just started asking it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good question, but it's, um, a, it's a definitely a good question. Now, go ahead. You know, kind of going back to the idea of time, right? Like I'm 39 and I'm just started a podcast that I told you that I was thinking about for six years. Right. You know, as you get further along in your journey, that the, the, the time clock, whether you think about it or not, or it's conscious in your brain or not, you start to think, well, shit. I mean, the things that I want to do, the 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 memories that I want to make, the legacy that you want to build, you know, as you get older, I mean, you have less time to do it, and and that sometimes can spark its own uh, energy or, or momentum to want to do things that otherwise are very challenging. It takes up a ton of energy to think that you want to go do these crazy things that you have dreams about, right? And in this, you know, probably the last six months, I've had a number of conversations with people that are, you know, in their late thirties or forties or whatever that have told me, Hey, you know what? Like I just hit a point in my life where I'm ready to go make this happen. And, and the conversation kind of typically is on the mortgage side of things, talking about building generational wealth, uh, building a portfolio of real estate, or, you know, getting ahead in some way um, that some point just things just start to fall into place. You, Hey, I'm ready to go make this happen. And, and that was just kind of what's going through my brain as you're asking that question. Cause that, that question you know, that type of person, you know, in their late thirties or forties, that's, that's for whatever reason, I've been coming across that, that scenario quite a bit recently. Okay. Well, that kind of, that points right to your podcast, man. Cause you're trying to reach people at an earlier, at all ages. But I remember mm-hmm. you said that, that you said, yeah, a lot of listeners are, listeners are, are younger and, and you're, and this is what I'm going to point back to the podcast before we close out, man, because you're trying to help some people make some with some information provide information to people at a point in their life when they can use it with the most time to get the potential out of it right well that's that's exactly what you're talking about right Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and that's cool you provide a lot you provide all that information for free man (laughs) <laughs> where can we find all this information joe let's hit let's plug let's all plug right. your podcast all right we close all out, right. man so it's strive for 25 so s-t-r-i-v-e-f-o-r and then the number 25 so you can find it on instagram youtube apple spotify google you got a website all. you got a website or anything uh website is not available right at this okay. moment right on unfortunately. that's all right that's all right check him out all right joel you want to close out with anything man you no, no, man, you did a good job. I just, you know, at the end of the day, what you're doing is so, so awesome. Just challenging people to think, think introspectively, thinking about things that they may not always, you know, think about out loud, you know, things you, that's in, inside of you that, you know, you don't always get a chance to really express. And so this is, this is good stuff. 
um, two topics that are, are, I think, you know, we're talking about Christianity or, or religion in general and, and cannabis. I mean, they're, they're, they can be very polarizing subjects. So, um, you know, I think this is awesome. Cool, man. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Joel. Our special guest is Joel Farrell. He's the host of Strive for 25 podcast, and he's been a mortgage lender for two decades out of St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> and he's a really good guy. And he's a really good guy. <laughs> thank you all very much. Love you.